On Legal Matters, Claire Thompson is here, Specialist Family Law Practitioner and Head of Family Law Department at Wits Inc. Uh, Claire, thank you so much for coming through. Welcome. It's been forever. So great to see you. It's so good to be back with you, Tabo. It's been so long. It's so yeah. lovely to join you again today. Fantastic. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's a very interesting conversation. Whenever you and I speak, we speak about these interesting things. And uh, firstly, I'd like us to explore this case study that you have put forward about mm. these uh, about a Soweto couple. Uh, please, please, I, I, I won't interrupt you. You tell the story about it, and uh, and and then we can go uh, into the questions. So this is a case that was very recently heard. Uh, the, the date that the judgment was released is the 10th of January. And it pertains to a very interesting topic in divorce law that we call forfeiture. Yeah. And in this case, the wife is the plaintiff. The husband is the defendant. They have adult children. And the crux of this issue, as you alluded to earlier, is the proprietary aspects of the marriage. Mm. And when we speak about the proprietary aspects, we're talking about assets and liabilities, the money. And uh, this couple had been married since 1983. So we're talking about a very, very long marriage. Goodness me, over about 40 years or so. Yeah, about 40 years. And even though they'd been separated for 10 years at the time that the divorce was granted, the duration of the marriage and the extent to which they had uh, had a life together mm-hmm. and the complexity of their lives together resulted in this judgment being handed down. Yeah. And what is critical about the judgment is that the wife, who was a nurse, yes. had a substantial pension yeah. with the GEPF. Mm. And what she asked of the court was to allow her to or at, at least allow that uh, her husband forfeit any benefit that he had in the community estate which they had together and okay. that community estate had been established because they were married in community of property. Ah, yes yes and so this is the crux of what we're talking about today this yeah. question of can forfeiture be granted by the court and under what circumstances and i think what's the most interesting about this matter particularly is that the parties had been married for such a long period of time goodness me all that time 40 years of marriage now divorce is on the cards and the wife puts simply saying um you can give my hubby that i'm divorcing now um our our marital home our house but I don't want him to touch the money that I have, the pension money that I have. Is that the crux of it? Well, what's interesting here is that she has in excess of 7 million rand in her pension fund by the time they get divorced, which is no small amount of money. Not at all. Um, You know, I think it's a substantial amount of money when we think about uh, a lifetime of earning this and contribution to uh, this this pension fund. And I think it's also in consideration that they have uh, adult children. Yeah. Uh, those yeah. children have been educated. Those children have been maintained. They're independent now. They are independent. And in fact, they, they testified for their mother in this case. What? Um, in her favor. Yeah. And that it, it was an, it was indisputed evidence, undisputed evidence. And yeah. so this really formed quite a critical aspect of the case in determining one of the criteria that needs to be met, which is misconduct, and we can talk about what those criteria are. Oh my! So that it's yeah, clear yeah, for everybody yeah. who's listening. But 
what she asked for in her pleadings was that he forfeit the benefit in respect of her pension fund, yeah. the 7 million rand asset that she holds in her name, mm. and that the remainder of the joint estate is divided equally oh. in terms of their marriage in community of property. And yes. the remaining assets in this estate are two houses yeah. uh, that are registered in both of their names yeah. because they are married in community, community of property. Yes. And those listeners out there who are married in community of property, mm. who have bought a house or are in the process of buying a yeah. house, or who would like to buy a house yeah. need to know that one of the consequences of getting married in community of property is that on the title deed of that property, yes. and that's, that's where your rights are held, yeah. on the title deed of that property, uh, it lists both the husband and the wife, yes. or the wife and the wife, or the husband and the husband as the case may be, yeah. but both spouses to the marriage are listed on that document. Yes. And it's not you know, if you and I were to decide we want to buy an investment property, sure. we would both be registered on the title deed, but we for, could, for example, decide you're going to be a 70% shareholder and I'm going to be a 30% shareholder. Yeah. In a marriage, in community of property, that division is totally equal. Yeah. And yeah. it's important because it gives people real rights mm. in the properties mm. which they are owners of. And, and significant. Quite interesting. And ordinarily, or as convention would have it, we would have expected the husband to be the one going forward to say that uh, not with my money. Mm. Uh, but this time around, it is the wife who goes forward to say, um, I've been working mm. for such a long time and I don't mind us sharing whatever it is that we've accrued together. However, this pension fund that I'm entitled to from my, employ from my employer I I think it's unfair of you to participate therein because the children are grown up and everything else is there. So and and many other circumstances that you will unfold on Claire, um that the, the the wife says approaches the court. It's the wife who approaches the court and says, mm. exclude my husband from benefiting from my pension fund. Exactly. And I think you know it's interesting that you touch on that because I think it's a common misperception. Yeah. It's a common misperception that men in a marriage are going to be the higher income earners yeah, 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 and yeah. women tend to be the lower income earners. And I think, I think it requires a slight shift in how uh, we, we perceive this to be because I think in the first instance when people get married, this skewing of perspective mm means that people negotiate differently on yes. the one hand. And then on the other, if it is that divorce is contemplated, yes. and not all marriages end in divorce, sure, mind. Sure. I think we must just talk about the ones that do because yeah. the rest will eventually be dealt with in respect mm. of a deceased estate. But when we're thinking about a marriage that ends in divorce, what the consequences of that are going to be and if that is the case the way that we negotiate on mm. the basis of these perceptions and of these preconceived notions I want to say is critical because mm. I've consulted with many women mm. who say to who are surprised in fact I want to say that they are surprised when I tell them that they have accrued a, a, a far more substantial income than their husbands mm. and that they are going to have to share that Mm. And I think we must become more comfortable and more conversant with this idea 
mm. that men and women have equal earning potential and equal capacity to build themselves an asset base that at the end of their marriage may be subject to sharing depending on what matrimonial property regime they choose. I see. And I'm just fascinated by the reasoning that will follow and uh, what you will explain to us and the legal reasons as to why uh, the wife um, would want to uh, uh, protect or uh, uh, preclude the, the, the husband from participating in uh, access to their pension fund. But also, what does the court look for mm. in order to grant that order? How does it even get to that? Um, and, and, and before we even get there, Claire, I would like you perhaps to paint a very simple scenario for ig- ignorant people like myself. Um, it's a foregone conclusion, unless contested otherwise, that the pension in community of property belongs to both of you. Mm, exactly. Do I maybe give us give us a bit mm. of a background on that? So the first point of departure, and, and those listeners that have been with us before might have heard me explain this yeah. concept of a basket. I love it. Yeah, I think it's it's a useful analogy because it's so visual. When we think about a basket that we have together, all assets and all liabilities in a community of property marriage fall into this basket, and both spouses to the marriage hold onto that basket for the duration of their marriage. Mm. If they want to put every, anything in. It, it becomes both of theirs and they need each other's uh, consent. Mm. If they want to take anything out and taking something out might mean a sale of something yes. or it might be the acquisition of debt, which is something that we love doing yes. in South Africa. Unfortunately, we're quite, uh, you know, we're quite prone to be uh, credit card holders and store card holders and so on. And critically speaking, everything that... Ha- both uh, spouses had as single people before they got married get put into this basket and this basket is indivisible yeah. we all know that we can't chop a basket in half it it, it loses its functionality totally mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so this basket is a holding mechanism for all of those assets and liabilities for the duration of the marriage and what is critical is at the end of the marriage we need to have a look into that basket and see what is in there are there more assets than liabilities or are there more liabilities than assets? And in the case of divorce, we need to understand how that estate is going to be divided. Mm. So mm. if there are more assets than there are liabilities, how are these assets going to be dealt with? Is one person going to uh, become the sole owner of the property and pay the other out? Is this going to be settled in some other way or are all of the assets going to have to be liquidated and the parties are going to split whatever is left over? And so what this concept of the basket uh, entails for Mm. me when you ask this question about the pension fund Mm. is that unless there is a reason like a will that this asset should not live in this basket, it does. And one of these things that are naturally included is a pension fund. Yeah, and it forms one of the assets. It does. And I'm, I'm now keen 
uh, to, to, to know what the court had said and for you to reveal it to us uh, because I see some questions that are coming through here and people want to, uh, to get mm-hmm. some answers there uh, on, on, on that particular issue. 011 Edith, I see your question. I'll get to it in a short while. Abel, I see your question. We'll get to it in a short while. We'll just get Claire to uh, give us what the court had said on this issue. Wonderful. I see you love me so much. Even yesterday, you wanted to get my attention. You've got it. Uh, let me mention your name so that you don't have to text so many times. Wonderful. I love you too. Thank you very much. Um, now, um, Claire, let's, uh, let, let's get to what um, the, 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 the court had to say about this. I, th- I think I'm just going to pause to mention I've got the judgment in front of me, so if we have specific questions, we can deal with that. But I think interestingly here, there's this pension fund of 7 million rand and the houses mm. are worth approximately 1.5 million rand. And so we can see how different uh, the value of the assets are and what the wife is really asking that her husband forfeit here. Yeah. And... Uh, Really, when we speak about a forfeiture of benefits claim, we have to look at the Divorce Act, and I have that in front of me too. I sure, have a <laughs> I nice see. Little you came prepared. Pocketbook. Yes, I like to come prepared with that. And it's uh, it, we deal with this particular section, which is Section Nine yeah. of the Divorce Act. And if anybody wants to have a look at it, it's it's quite an easy section to read. But it deals with the fact that if it is that somebody is entitled to a benefit as a result of their marriage. In this case, uh, the husband would have been entitled to a share of this 7 million Mm. rand, also Mm. taking into account the value of the properties and so on. And his wife's claim that as a result of his conduct during the marriage, irrespective of the fact that that marriage had been a very, very long one in time, as a result of the substantial misconduct of the husband and the circumstances that gave rise to the breakdown of the marriage, She said to the court, please come to my aid and please don't allow my husband to benefit from the fruits of uh, what what I have accumulated. And I think a pension fund is quite a unique thing, really. You know, a pension fund is, it's quite easy to ascertain that the wife in her employment period would have contributed that money to the pension fund. Uh, Moving stuff, moving stuff. I mean, would the court take into consideration the financial standing of um, both parties, but the party that is being excluded from um, getting access to the pension fund of the wife? So in this case, the court ordered what we call a partial forfeiture. So not a full forfeiture, a partial forfeiture. And what the court said was that she could keep her pension fund to the tune of about 7 million rand and that her husband could retain both immovable properties that he was living in and also his family members were mm. living in. And so even though that they were registered in both of the parties' names, that she, that he could maintain those properties and retain those as his own assets to the exclusion of the wife. And so we don't see a full forfeiture of benefits yes. because that would have meant that any benefit that he would have acquired during the marriage would have been forfeited to the wife. I, I begin to know the reasons for that. Uh, how did the court rationalize that decision? So one of the reasons that the court considers with regards to the substantial misconduct in the marriage, during the marriage specifically, is that the husband contributed very little 
to the matrimonial estate during the marriage. Mm. They said that he contributed a lot to his church in which he was a pastor, mm. that he had taken his pension fund when he retired and he had paid off one of the houses. Mm. And so we see a, a, a slight contribution, but that during the course of the marriage, the wife was primarily responsible for the maintenance of the children for their school fees. And when the parties separated, bearing in mind that at the time of the divorce, they'd been separated for almost 10 years after she decided to leave the marital home yeah. with uh, the, the youngest child, which was who was still a minor at the time. She was solely responsible for that child's maintenance to the exclusion of her husband. He didn't pay for school fees. He didn't pay for uh, rent. He didn't pay for uh, a contribution to the child's groceries. And the, the family was effectively left, the wife and the child was effectively left high and dry. Mm. And so when the court looks at this, one of the comments that are made in this judgment is that the husband is a bad husband. The what? court is very vociferous yeah. in, their, in their opinion about uh, the way that he conducted himself. And there's a financial component and then there's a, a an abuse component that is revealed in the marriage. And not only does the wife testify in this matter about the extent to which she was abused dur during the marriage by her husband, but this is corroborated by evidence that her children give against their father in court. And I think it, this is probably quite jarring for some people to hear, but... When you read the judgment, one, uh, it reveals the extent to which uh, the wife and the children indicate that uh, the husband was abusive towards his family. And the court describes this as a totally, totally loveless marriage. A lonely and loveless marriage, I seem to recall the words. 011-883-0702. 011-883-0702. It could be about this case or it could be something that is peculiar to your circumstances. Uh, you may want to re remain anonymous. You may want to uh, perhaps omit your name or change your name. That is quite okay. We understand the sensitivities of that. Or you could want information Perhaps you are in the process of divorce yourself and you want to know um, what to do if you want to exclude your partner from gaining uh, access to some of uh, your assets. 011-883-0702. Let's go straight to your text messages that have come through. As it, uh, Edith uh, in this instance says, Hi Tabo, I'd like to remain anonymous in my situation. You, I, you Maybe do, it's you, best not to deal you, with that. We yeah, can we can do, deal with that one offline. She's welcome. You know, it, 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 is, it is me taking my eyes off the ball <laughs> completely because of uh, the text messages <laughs> that are distracting that I've received. But um, uh, let me tell you, uh, Edith, we won't mention it. So what I will do is to get Claire to uh, take the message. Uh, and then um, we'll respond to you. But stay tuned. We'll find a way of responding to you nonetheless. Edith's um, welcome to give me a call. Okay. Um, and we'll we'll give her a half an hour free consultation after this oh uh, session so me. that we can help her out. Look at what my flaws are giving you, Edith. <laughs> Look at what my flaws are giving you. My short-sightedness is giving you half an hour of free consultation. 
don't you just love me for being a flawed individual? Thank you so much for that, Claire. That's wonderful. So, uh, Rofiwa, I'm going to ask you to uh, connect Edith and, uh, and, and Claire. Uh, let's see first if this person wants to be anonymous or not before I read it out. Okay. This one says, hi. Okay. Yeah. This one says, hi, may I remain anonymous? I'm a government employee. I'm about to divorce my wife and she said she doesn't want any money from my pension. Does the law give this option? Absolutely. Uh, what we're talking about here is a settled divorce. Um, and so it doesn't only pertain to the, the aspect of the pension fund. Mm. It pertains to all of the aspects of the divorce. And uh, most critically, I think, if it is that you have children um, who are minors, we can't reach a settlement agreement unless we deal with all of the aspects about the children. But when it comes to the proprietary aspects of the marriage, this is one of the aspects that are going to need to be settled. So if the only asset is a pension fund and there are no children, it's very easy for us to put together a settlement agreement. Yes. Every settlement agreement is bespoke because every single individual and every single marriage sure. is different. But... It's easy to put together a settlement agreement for parties who don't have minor children and who just have an asset base that they want to uh, divide amongst themselves in a way that is suitable for them. Because the what I like to describe your matrimonial property regime as a baseline. What we know is that if it is that you can't agree, that's what we rely on. But we can agree on anything. But the term agreement is critical here. We can't... Yes force anybody into our way of thinking it, it must be uh, negotiated fair not under duress uh, nobody must feel threatened everybody must do so with an open mind with enough education um, behind them they must know what they, they are conjuring out of yes so claim um in this instance that abel brings up um can the wife if perhaps they are not going to lawyer up um, put together an affidavit herself and submitted to the court that I do not want a single cent from this man. These are the reasons why, or I would like not to receive mm. anything from my, my ex-partner to be. So an affidavit's not really a suitable document under the circumstances. Mm. It certainly indicates the, the party's intentions, mm. but it's not enough to get us into court, unfortunately. Mm. That doesn't mean you need to lawyer up. Okay. That's what's critical. Yeah. You don't need to lawyer up to do this because not all matters need a lawyer. Some matters are, 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 can be dealt with between parties. And if one goes to the magistrate's court in one's area where there's a regional divorce court, one can go and pick up a form mm. that is pre-printed and it has a variety of different options. It'll say, I'm married out of community of property, with accrual, without accrual, um, are married in community of property, and, and you select the one that is applicable to you, and you say, I have minor children, I don't have minor children. The parties are going to claim maintenance from one another. They're not going to mm -hmm. claim maintenance. If it's difficult to fill out that document alone, because... Even I have to spend, usually when I fill these documents out with clients, if I'm providing them with one sort of legal advice, which is a service that we also provide. Yeah. Even I say to clients, if you bring that form, please let's make a couple of copies just in case we make a mistake. Because sometimes it's quite an extensive document and sometimes when you're crossing it out, you need to make a revision. Sure. And so if I was... Um, 
if I was going to advise people who do want to do it that way, go and pick up, pick up a printed form, pre-printed form from the magistrate's court. Go to your local photocopier, make a couple of photocopies, and then either sit with somebody who is who has a a, a bit of uh, legal experience, might be somebody who studied law, or yeah. it might be somebody who is a clerk in the court where you picked up that form. Mm. They are very well informed. They are able to assist you, and they guide you accordingly. Yes, and and you must tell them, I am married in community of property. I don't have an anti-nuptial contract. I have children. I have a pension fund. I have lots of debt. Whatever it is that you've agreed and whatever it is that or, or what you haven't agreed on, you you note all of those things down and either you your divorce is granted in a way that is called a settled divorce or you you can go through the trial process and there are lots of people in South Africa who do this without a lawyer. Yeah. Lots. Here's, here's another question. Um, for the case that Clay's talking about, does a period of separation count as part of the marriage? And do assets and liabilities accrued during that separation period before divorce finalization count as communal? This comes from Mason in Krugersdorp. Yes, that's correct. It does count as communal. The court observes in its judgment that there was a very long marriage, but there was a 10-year period of separation. Mm. But that do, it doesn't put a pause on the, uh, you know, on the acquisition of assets because they are still deemed to be married at that time. And so if it is that you want to put a pause on the sharing of assets, the way that one does that is to get divorced. Yes. To yes. get divorced. So, Claire, I'm, I'm just picking up a couple of nuances here. And I wanted to find out from you, how often does this happen? Where... In you find one of the partners in a marriage wants to exclude the other from a big chunk of assets that they would otherwise be entitled to. Is it does it happen regularly? So I can't I can't speak specifically as to the statistics of how many cases are brought to the various courts, be it the high court or the magistrates' courts. Um, magistrates' court judgments are not reported and mm. so we don't have record of what is decided in those courts other than what parties lived experiences are and then not all high court decisions are also reported so I, I couldn't tell you what the statistics are there but I will say in my personal experience having consulted with people very often the the, the notion that we are going to have to share a substantial amount of assets at the end of a marriage especially when the, the the reasons why that marriage has broken down are, are are difficult or challenging to deal with, and the reasons for for that might range from falling out of love to an affair or domestic violence or anything in between, really. So, very often the feeling that comes for people that I've heard in consultation is that they don't want to share. Um, and unfortunately, as I said, the baseline is what the baseline is. And unless parties are prepared to agree, and I, and I emphasize the word prepared to, uh, in this case, because one must think seriously before one gets married, whether or not 
if something were to happen. And, I, you know, I, I certainly don't think that anybody goes into a marriage projecting into the future that they're going to get divorced. Mm. But I think mm. we must bear in mind that the decision to get legally married has financial consequences. It means that you might end up sharing a substantial portion of your assets at divorce if that is to be the case. It means that if your spouse, for example, is blacklisted, even if that blacklisting took place before you got married, you be part of the you're going to also be lumbered with that blacklisting. Mm. If there's a judgment against your spouse's name that took place before you got married and your spouse doesn't disclose this to you and you discover this after the marriage when you decide to apply for credit for a house or a car yeah. or a credit yeah. card or a cell phone uh, uh, um, contract, it could seriously, seriously hamper your ability to financially transact as you've been used to doing prior to your marriage. Really? Seriously. So, um, it's 13 minutes to 9 o'clock. You're on 702. If you've just joined us, thank you so much. We are talking about... Um, um, the partners who are about to divorce and uh, on this case study that we are looking at uh, the, the the wife was a nurse for quite some time and they were based in Soweto after 40 years of marriage uh, and as they were divorcing their husband was set to uh, be what was said to be excluded from accessing the wife's pension fund this comes as a result of a court order that excluded the husband from benefiting from the pension fund because the wife applied at the court and said, please do not let my ex-husband to be uh, benefit because he was absent for 10 years and mentioned other reasons. The court uh, came to a conclusion that uh, he will then only get certain things. Hence, Claire called it, um, uh, it, it was only in part, it was not a full uh, forfeiture. Uh, so as a, as a result, we are discussing that issue. And so if you're in the process of divorce or thinking about divorce and for whatever reason you have a question that pertains to the assets of both of you as uh, as a couple, feel free to share with us. 011-883-0702. Debza, Max, uh, Mama D, I'm going to read out your text messages in a short while, but first allow me to take Anonymous in Joburg. Anonymous, hi, welcome. Hi, good day, how are you? I'm free, how's it going with you? I'm fine, thanks. Um, so I, I think my situation is around obviously the same that was kind of talked about earlier on around the fact that I've kind of worked um, a certain substantial amount of my time and I've kind of given myself towards my family when I went, my kids got born and and my marriage and i think what i'm i'm trying to understand and obviously get through is that we eventually got married um but our marriage didn't last more than a month or two months out of that and we separated in terms of she left my my home and went back to her home but unfortunately we've been trying to get through an actual divorce process but thinking of the fact that i've accumulated financial um call it debt and also call it, um, what you call it, Assets. financial gain in terms of obviously pension funds and, and all of those things and retirement annuities that are could be easily attached to a separation that then kind of benefits someone else. Mm. And mm. I wanted to understand how do I kind of 
go through the process of actually going through a divorce without having to a alienate all of that um that process that i've all the accumulation that i've kind of done for my family uh, without obviously affecting my children because that's i think that's key to me is that being able to still provide for my children outside of someone that is trying to gain from the separation because i think mm-hmm. that's what i feel is is beneficial or not beneficial to me but beneficial to her sure. um and unfortunately i've been thinking about that and there's been the biggest conflict and thought processes to do I let this way out um, but at the same time how do I actually gain from it mm-hmm. or not gain from it but like how do I progress as an individual move forward Claire over to you. don't leave us yet anonymous in case Claire's got a question or two for you thanks for your question sure. anonymous I think the one the first thing that we must talk about here is that in order to claim forfeiture, one of the criteria that the court looks at is the duration of the marriage. And if the okay. parties have been married a very, very short period of time, if you say that you've been only married for a month, um, when the marriage started to break down, I don't know how long you've been married now, but if it's still a very short period of time, it, this is the time if it is that you are serious about getting divorced and bearing in mind that Uh, When you go to court and you say, I want to get divorced, one of the things that you need to testify to is that your marriage has irretrievably broken down, that that there is no prospect of the marriage uh, reconciling. Mm. Um, And then second to that, one of the things that the court observes in this judgment specifically is that when we look at was there a benefit that is to be forfeited, there are a couple of things to think about. One you can't complain about the fact that the benefit has accrued as a result of unequal behavior. Mm. So it might be that the contribution that parties have made is unequal, be it in uh, money or be it in kind. Yes. So those, uh. so the, the contribution may not be equal, but if it is that the benefit that would accrue to the other party is undue, then the court will consider whether or not there should be forfeiture. Ah. And it's a really, really, I think it's a critical distinction to uh, consider. And I think, Anonymous, thank you for your question and and thank you for allowing us to talk into your scenario, Mm. how it is that, you know, the court interprets the question that you have asked us. Anonymous, any last follow-ups, if any at all? Yeah, so for me, that I, I, uh, and I get it obviously in terms of obviously, having been the one that A, earns the most, or B, the fact that I've contributed towards my, um, or the situation that we have. But I think it's a matter of understanding as to, cool, we got married to resolve an issue, call it resolve ourselves. But at the same time is that when we got through the marriage, someone didn't feel that they can stay longer or we should proceed in our marriage. Mm. Would that be something that's then looked into in terms of interpreting in terms of cool? Yes, it is the fact that you entered into a call it irretrievable marriage, but at the same time you entered into it with a an end result sure. that uh, you are then benefiting from. Yeah. Anonymous I, I, I must move on to other things. Clint, I don't know if sure. you wanna respond to, to Anonymous or if you got the question. I, I think I think the question still remains the fact that it's been a short marriage. And I think, you know, that is the point of departure. I think people get married for many, many reasons. Some people get married to save a relationship and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And so whatever reason, uh, 
the parties got married, the parties got married. You know, it's, it's far easier to get married than it is to get divorced. And so if it is that uh, the writing is on the wall and the reasons that uh, the marriage was concluded mm. have proven not to have the desired result, if mm. I may say, then I think it's true to say that the marriage has irretrievably broken down. Sure. And then the departure point from that is, can we reach an agreement based on the factors that we yeah. have? And I would encourage you to go to mediation, Anonymous. I would encourage you to at least start there. Because you have children, you I think owe it to yourselves and you owe it to your children mm -hmm. to, to start uh, Give it a go. getting divorced in a mediated way. Certainly. And if that fails, maybe you do end up in litigation. And, and you know, it, it might be that. You sure. know, we can't... We don't know what the future yeah. holds, but at least try. Sure. Claire, I'm, I'm going to push us because we have about uh, less than four minutes left and uh, a couple of text messages. I'm going to read all of them. Perhaps you can uh, respond to them at once and maybe some require a common response. Uh, let's give it a go and see how far we get with that. Hi, Tabo. Snowy at Foys. I was married December 2010 in community of property then my, uh, to the then my so that my so-called husband left me end of June 2011. Uh, disappeared with one of our cars. Until now, we haven't spoken or called each other. Now I want to divorce because there's no marriage. He scammed me and left me. Mm -hmm. If he's allowed to claim my pension fund, even though he wasn't working nor contributing anything, uh, I don't know where he is and can't save him papers to sign. What can I do? Um, I don't have uh, money for lawyers. Let's note that from Snowy. Snowy said we can mention uh, Snowy's name. Uh, good evening, haven't, uh, good evening, haven't the lawyers recently changed, haven't the laws recently changed regarding being married in and out of community of property? The ex-wife has a right regardless. Hi, I'd like to remain anonymous. Uh, marriage was um, in community of property. My divorce was finalized in 2018. My then husband said we will share the assets later. He agreed to a spousal maintenance because he said I must agree to pay our debts, which I did. Now I'm stuck with uh, the debts with no cent from him. He, disrus he disrupts uh, the whole asset sharing process. When lawyers tried mm -hmm. to assist, I went back to court over and over again. They told me they can't help mm -hmm. me because the matter is finalized already. I must get lawyers to help to mm. date i lost money uh, to lawyers with no help mm. um a quick question how does one start the process of divorce when uh, wanting to leave a person with narcissistic personality and abusive uh that's that's that okay let me try and start in reverse <laughs> <laughs> uh, importantly when we're talking about narcissism personality disorders mm. mental health Go and see a psychologist. Lawyers are not mental health experts. We are legal experts. We will assist you to get divorced. How it is that you recover from uh, the, the emotional fallout of your marriage and the consequences of the behaviors that you deal with um, with your spouse in your marriage, you need to deal with with the, mm. with the appropriate professionals. Mm. And uh, lawyers are not those people. Um, the question that was asked before that was um, I think it was snowy about the husband who left with a car and it's been years uh, and then um, left my then husband left me end of June 2011 mm. disappeared with mm. one of our cars now we haven't spoken 
I think Snowy has good prospects of success uh, on the face of it. I'll say this. Mm. Everything, always, you know, there's always more to delve into. But in the sure. two brief minute, Pracy, that I've got, it sounds like uh, I would... I would consider seeking legal advice concerning forfeiture. There are ways to serve papers on people if you can't find them. Um, by way of substituted service, we can even serve via Facebook and WhatsApp and so on. But you need the leave of the court to do so. You can't ah. just take this into your own hands and use your own initiative <laughs> and say, hey, hey no, spouse, <laughs> we're going to get divorced. That's not yeah, it. You need, it yes. you need to do it properly. You need to do it properly, but it is possible. Okay. And then, uh, laws, haven't they changed since then? Yes, but that is with respect to the out-of-community-of-property regime, no accrual. And uh, that's an entire conversation in and of itself. Spousal maintenance, uh, this person is no longer there. The wife had to, is now stuck with, the ex-wife is now stuck with uh, the debts. And, uh, Difficult uh, yeah. situation. You know, my, my heart goes out to this listener. Uh, I think the best remedy when somebody is not paying maintenance as they should be is to proceed with enforcement proceedings. And the enforcement of maintenance is a is, is a criminal aspect. You know, there are criminal consequences. People have mm. been committed to custody for right. not paying their maintenance. And it's taken that seriously by the court. And that's your best remedy, I think. How does one start the process of divorce from this question? Uh, either go to the magistrate's court or go and see a lawyer or engage in mediation. And uh, lastly, Chris, before you kill me, I just want to find out the same premises. Uh, if the same premises of sharing the pension fund would apply to uh, same-sex marriages. Yes, absolutely. Great. In community of property marriage, same-sex marriages, uh, heterosexual marriages. How do you get hold of you, Claire? People are welcome to give me a call on 011-010-0400 or visit our website, www.wits.co.za. And this uh, segment of the show will also be podcast. Just go to Prime Media Plus app and you will find everything there. Thank you so much, Claire. Great chatting to you. We'll see you next time. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Tabo.